Hi, everyone, and welcome to the What the Flip podcast. Don't let the name fool you. We talk about all things real estate investing in less than 30 minutes. Hi, and welcome to the second installment of the What the Flip podcast, episode number two called How the F Do I Get Started? Uh, I just want to let you guys know that this is going to be a two-part episode. So part number one is going to be the basics of real estate investing that I'm going to go through as much information I can. It might be a little overwhelming. I'll try not to get too into the weeds, but for those of you that know me, uh, unfortunately, that's what I do and I do it really well. I get so off topic so quickly, so I'll try to stay focused and really just give you the information that you need. Part number two is going to be walking through a deal from start to finish. I'll go through the what I look at. I'll go through the numbers I look at, what return on investments I hope to get. Um, and we'll just kind of talk about what to expect through your first deal. And it'll be looking at a single family deal since that was my first deal. But I can talk a little bit about commercial deals as well since I'm into those now. Uh, before I get too far into this, I just want to say a big thank you to those of you that listened to the very first episode. I know it was all about me, so that's a little odd. But I really wanted to give everybody a bit of history and background on who I am and why I'm in this. And so... I felt you'd be a little bit more connected to the material if you kind of knew who was the person behind the mic and and why I was up to this or doing this. Uh, And also, I want to say, please note, I don't edit this at all. I literally just talk into the mic. I have a sheet of paper in front of me, so you'll see me glance down if you're watching this on video. But uh, (laughs) I apologize because I'll stumble across things and, you know, I, I wish I could make it as smooth as possible. But Uh, This is the best way I see fit, and maybe if I ever get to the point where more than 20 people listen to this, I'll uh, get some editing software, but uh, this is basically how I'm going to run with this for now. Uh, So if you are watching this on video, please hop on whatever platform, Spotify, um, or iTunes, or Google, and leave a rating or review, or if you really like the material, please share or, or tag a friend in this material. I'd love to get feedback, and I got a lot of feedback on the first video, uh, which makes me want to continue to do these. So please, please, if you do enjoy it, leave me some feedback, leave me a review, um, and I definitely appreciate that. So jumping into the material, today we're going to be talking in part one about basics of real estate investing. And so I want to start with telling you guys that there is no right path or wrong path to real estate investing. There's a hundred different paths out there, maybe a thousand different paths out there. uh, And everybody's going to find one that works for them. And some of you may jump into real estate investing and realize it's not for you. And that's perfectly fine. It happens uh, to people out there. It's it's not for everybody. Uh, But some of you may start like I did in single family and then move into multifamily and then into commercial Uh, And that's perfectly fine, too. Some of you guys may do fix and flips and whatever path that you choose. Just know that just because you're on a path and somebody's on a different path doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It just means that everybody's coming to a different conclusion of how real estate investing works for them. And they're going to go down the path that works best for their life choices and what they're trying to achieve. So knowing the basics of real estate investing is crucial So many people come to me and they say, how do I get started in real estate investing? And my very first question is, well, what research have you done? What do you know about real estate investing? And a lot of times people say, well, you know, we've looked at houses or we looked at deals. And I say, "Okay, well, what are you looking for? You know, what kind of return on investment are you looking for? What kind of loan are you going to go with? What kind of funding are you going to do? 
Um, are you self-managing it? You know, there's a lot of basic questions to it. And then half the time the people don't know, and that's perfectly fine, but you should have an understanding of what you're looking at when you're analyzing deals and real estate investing. And the best way to do that is to know the basics and, and kind of get an idea of what you want to look for when you're talking about investing in real estate. Uh, and then that way, when you start to look at deals, it makes sense and you can compare deals to other deals because you know exactly the kind of things that you're looking for. And so I look at real estate investing basics as four points. And the four points are property, loan, expenses, and return on investment. I'm going to break down each one of these. And I apologize in advance. Some of it, may, like I said, may get really in the weeds, but I want to make sure that I give you as much information as possible in this episode. So then in part two, when I talk about looking at the deal and how I analyze the deal, it makes a lot more sense. And then you can take kind of what I look at and how I operate and apply it and then tweak it from there because everybody's going to have a different style of analyzing a deal. So when you're talking about properties, there's two types of properties out there. There's residential, which is basically like your primary residence, if you think residential. So single family homes, anywhere from one to four units. So single family, a duplex, triplex, quad. That's considered a residential property. Then you have your commercial property. And a commercial property is going to be anything that's uh, a mixed-use building. So like retail on the bottom. Uh, and a rental property up top, or it's going to be anything that's five plus units. So you're talking your small apartment complexes, you're talking your larger apartment complexes. Uh, and then the last one, and, and this one's kind of just out there, it's condos and it's conforming and non-conforming condos. Uh, and that's a little bit more in terms of loans than it is property types. So Basically, your two different property types are going to be residential and it's going to be commercial for residential one to four commercial five plus. Uh, so then we're going to talk about loan. And when I say loan, we're going to talk about down payment and down payment is the money that you have to bring to the deal to get the property. We're going to talk about rate, which is percent of interest that you're going to be paying term, which is the amount of time that you're going to be paying that. Well, it's the amount of time in terms of how long the loan is going to be for. And then we're going to talk about amortization schedule, which is how long the loan is spread out over when they're talking about calculations. So this kind of gets into the, the confusing part. So I'll try to break it down as much as I can and, and know that I'm not any kind of financial expert or any kind of accountant at all. And so I'm going to explain this in terms that makes sense to me. And I hope that it makes sense to you. So when you're talking single family homes or residential, the one to four units, most likely you're going to run into a loan that's going to be typical of what kind of loan you had when you bought your primary residence. And why I say that, uh, it's important to know that this is going to be the most straightforward loan. So if you go to a, a big bank like Wells Fargo, the loan that you're going to be looking at most likely is going to be 20% down. So 20% of whatever the purchase price is, then it's also going to be a better interest rate than most of all the other loans out there because a single family home uh, usually has the best interest rates. And then the length of time is gonna be 30 years, most likely amortized over 30 years. So why the term and the amortization schedule get a little iffy and that's when it comes into commercial properties. And so when you're talking multifamily, so anything that's two units or above, you're going to get into 
uh, 25% down. So 25% of the purchase price. Uh, your rate is going to be just slightly higher than your single family rate. So one unit rate. Uh, and then your term and your years are going to be basically about the same. Your amortization schedule and the years are going to be about the same. Uh, and then commercial, which is five plus units, you're going to be looking at a completely different ballgame in terms of loans. So your loan is going to be uh, normally uh, anywhere from 15% down to 30% down. And at this point in time, you're usually talking ARMS, so adjustable rate mortgages. Um, so when you're talking single family homes, your mortgage is usually set. So if you have a 5% loan for the whole entire time that you own that house, your loan will not change. Uh, it may go up and down based on taxes and insurance, but your basic loan is going to stay the same. When it comes into commercial, you run into what's an adjustable rate mortgage. And how most of them operate is they're going to give you a three to seven year, some 10 year uh, time frame for that loan. And so when I say time frame, it's you have to renew at the end of the three to seven to 10 years. And it's a little different because then the next thing that they look at is called the amortization schedule. And what this is, is they say, okay, your loan is only going to be, let's just say it's for three years. Your loan's only going to be for three years, but we're going to spread out the payments as if you were paying over 30 years. So most amortization schedules are based on anywhere from a 20 to 30 year, if you're really lucky to get a 30 year on a commercial schedule. And so your loan may only be for three years, but they'll spread it out as if you were paying for 25 to 30 years. And that's called the amortization schedule. So it's really important when you look at commercial loans uh, to talk, you know, what is the term? You know, is it a three year term? Is it a five year term? And is it amortized over 15, 20, 25, 30 years? Because that really does change your cash flow. So, um, the last one is condos, and I kind of mentioned non-conforming and conforming condos. Why this is important is because a lot of people do look at condos because condos are normally cheaper uh, to purchase. They're cheaper to insure. Uh, and there's a few different reasons why you run into some issues with condos. To give a little backstory, basically, when the whole housing crash happened in 2008, kind of the first properties that people walked away from were condos because a lot of condos were vacations, they were second homes, they were rentals, uh, and a lot of people could walk away from them without really much risk. And so because of that, what the banks then did is they said, okay, if you're a conforming condo, which means mostly people who own the condos live in those condos, we'll give you a loan and the loan's going to be basically like it would be on any other property. If it's a non-conforming condo, which would mean most of the units in that building are rentals and people don't live in them that own them, they're going to say, you're going to have to get a different kind of loan. And usually you have to go to a small bank or you have to go to a bank that's willing to give you uh, a condo loan. And that's, that's a whole other topic. But those loans are usually anywhere... Uh, on the low end, 20% to about 30% down, and uh, they have a whole bunch of different uh, requirements and things. Um, and so I can talk about that in another episode because I owned a condo, uh, and it was a great experience in some ways and a terrible experience in others. Um, 
So the next thing to look at when you're looking at property, so we talked about property and we talked about loan. The next thing is going to be expenses. When you're looking at a deal, you have to remember expenses. And that's one of the things that people forget. They think of PITI, which is principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. And those are the big ones. So not only the purchase price, but you have to look at how much insurance goes for. And you can kind of do that um, easily because you can call up your insurance agent if it's uh, you know, a basic deal, one to four unit residential deal and say, this is what I'm looking at. What would a quote be on that? And you can call a couple different places and they'll give you quotes. Uh, and then taxes are, are super straightforward. You can look at what they were in the previous year, and then you can look at uh, what the assessor had the property valued at and kind of get an idea based on how much you're paying for the property and what the property was valued at, if the taxes are going to be going up or they're going to be going down. Because if you buy a property, one of the things to remember is that most likely you're buying it more than what the previous person paid for it. And a lot of times the assessor's office bases a lot of their opinion off of a sale because then they don't have to do the work. The work's already done for them. And so then they'll adjust the price of your property based on that sale. Um, but so yeah, taxes, insurance as an expense, but the next expenses are going to be, are you going to self-manage? Are you going to have a property manager? And the reason why that's important is because if you're going to self-manage, a lot of people don't calculate any of their time and energy that they put into the deal or put into managing a property, but you do need to consider your time. You don't have to pay yourself and, and calculate that into the cost, but please be aware that if you self-manage, you're going to need to kind of calculate that and have a good understanding of how much property management actually costs. So down the line, if you do choose to hire a property manager, you can make that transition without cutting into your cash flow too much. If you hire a property manager, most property managers operate on 10% of whatever the gross rents are. So if you're renting that property for $1,000, most property managers monthly fee is going to be about $100. Uh, on top of that, they're normally going to charge you a placement fee or a tenant finding fee or lease up fee, whatever they want to call it. Uh, and that could range anywhere from I've seen low ends on multifamily is about $50 all the way up to uh, high end, which would be one month's rent. And so you need to calculate that as well, because if you're in an area with high turnover, if every year you're paying one month's rent to the property management company, that's a thousand dollars every year of cash flow that you're missing out or, or rent that you're missing out on. So, and then the last part with expenses that you're going to need, well, there's more than just one last part, uh, utilities. One of the things that people don't think about is how is the area for utilities? And when I say that is some areas have a very basic, everybody pays water, everybody pays trash. And when I say everybody, I talk about landlords or pay water, landlords pay trash. Uh, and then the tenant pays for everything else. You need to know this because if you buy a property and you say all utilities included and you rent at the standard rental rate that you've seen around that area, People are going to jump at that property because you're undercutting yourself. But on the flip side, if you say nothing's included and tenant pays for everything and you're pricing yourself at every other you know, house on the block, then people are going to stay away from your place because they can go a block over and rent for the exact same price and get water and trash included. So you want to know what the standard for the area is, and then that way you can have an accurate idea. I know with a lot of properties that I buy, water and trash is normally included. I normally pay water, and the reason is is that 
water stays with the property. So if a water bill goes unpaid, and this year the places that I invest in, if a water bill goes unpaid in the places that I invest in, the water bill can attach itself to the property. Whereas if a trash bill goes unpaid, most of the time that attaches to the tenant and not to the property. So um, I choose to pay the water bill so then I don't ever have to worry about a lien going on the property that I'm, uh, I don't know about. And if you guys don't know what a lien is, basically it's uh, kind of like a note that's attached to the property. So if the property was to ever sell, that note has to be paid off. Or if I try to refinance, that note has to be paid off before I can do that or during that process. Uh, so know your expenses. Are you self-managing? Are you hiring a property manager? What utilities are you going to be paying? How much is your interest and how much is your property tax? Uh, a couple of things once you start really getting into um, buying multiple properties or buying uh, multifamilies is you're really going to start to need to calculate cap X and that's capital expenditures. And those are going to be things that um, are really big items that come up that aren't very frequent. So uh, having your roof replaced when there wasn't a storm, so it just was worn out or having windows replaced or, um, you know, doing siding or, or something like that, having a fund set up for that. So every single month, putting away $50 or $100 or $150, however much you can afford for those expenses down the road. And then the other one is going to be vacancy. So if your area has a lot of blue collar workers um, and a lot of turnover because of that, then you need to be aware of, you know, vacancy rates and what those are going to be. And those kind of play a little bit more, you know, when you're looking at um, homes that aren't quite uh, in what I call the A area. So, um, kind of how properties are classed is they have an A, B, and C, and then there are Ds and there are Fs. But A is basically a brand new home in a really nice neighborhood. B is a nice home, you know, maybe five to seven years old uh, and more of a working class neighborhood. C is a, you know, 15 to 20 year old property and a very blue collar area where, you know, it's very, uh, heavily you know hourly pay and things like that and then you have d which would be kind of like your don't go in at night <laughs> properties uh and d and f are kind of the same and, and they're war zone properties is what a lot of people like to call them so they're properties where uh you may get them for super cheap so uh in the heart of detroit and you know let's just say eight mile to be stereotypical um, you know, places like that where you always hear about buying a property for a dollar. Those are going to be your war zone areas, areas that uh, are very appealing for some investors, but for rookie investors, it's a really hard market to jump into. And I'll talk about that in another episode as well. But um, just know your expenses, know um, your area and really learn it because Knowing your property and the numbers is one thing, but if you don't know, you know, if if it's dependent on one college or it's dependent on a Walmart or it's dependent on one um, industry and that industry goes away or that college shuts down or that Walmart closes, that's really going to crush your numbers. And so you need to know as much as you can about the area because that all rolls into expenses and rolls into calculating what your cash flow is going to be. 
So the last part about it is cash flow and return on investment. So when everybody looks at investment properties, the end goal is to know what your cash flow is going to be. So how many dollars am I going to have after I pay all my expenses, after I pay my debt service, which is my mortgage, after I pay my property manager, which is part of expenses, what is going to be left in after I created a savings account for my capital expenditures? Cash flow is really something that is a very individualized number. And when I say that, I say that some people look for $100 a door. Some people look for $300 a door. Some people look for a percentage. Return on investment is a little bit different than cash flow. And I look at return on investment. And return on investment is simply calculated all of my debt service, so my mortgage and all my expenses. I take that number and I take how much I'm renting it for. So let's just say my expenses and debt service is $800 a month. I rent that place for $1,000 a month. So I take $1,000 a month minus that number, 800, I end up with $200 cash flow. To calculate my return on investment, I have to figure out how much money I initially put into the deal. So then I take my $200 that's left over and I times that by 12, and that gives me my yearly cash flow. So that's $2,400. I take $2,400 and I divide that by however much money I put into the deal, so my down payment, and that equals my return on investment percent. And the reason I calculate it that way is because it's very straightforward. So it's gross rents minus all my expenses equals cash flow. And then cash flow times 12 gives me my yearly cash flow. Then I take my yearly cash flow and I divide that by how much money I put in my down payment. I call that basically my 30 second analysis. And I love it because I can literally look at a property that anybody sends me. And without knowing the area, I can run the 30 second analysis and tell you I like the property and I'll look into it more or I don't. And I have a number that I look for once you analyze a bunch of deals and whatever area you're looking at, you'll have a pretty good idea of what that rate of return should be. So I invest in Colorado and I invest in Kansas and I invest in Missouri. I can tell you my Colorado properties rate of return for me that's good was 20 to 25%. In Missouri, my rate of return is about 35 to 40%. In Wichita, it hovers around 45%. So it's completely different in every single area that you look at. But now I know when I look at Wichita, when I run numbers for properties, I can go, okay, is this even close to the 45% return on investment that I would like to make? If it is, I'll run a little bit deeper numbers on it. If it's not, then I move on. Um, Things to consider though, also when you're looking at investment properties, and this is just kind of plays into that return on investment and cash flow is, don't forget the benefits of your equity slash mortgage pay down. So one of the things that I have is I have a spreadsheet now that shows 
every time I make a mortgage payment, you have two things in your mortgage payment, uh, basically a breakdown of two things. You have your principal breakdown and you have your interest breakdown. Uh, and some of you guys know this really well because you look at those statements every single month and some of you guys have no idea. But when you pay, let's just throw out a round number, $1,500 in mortgage every single month, most likely how your mortgage company breaks that down is they say 300 of that is collected for your taxes, 200 of that is collected for your insurance, and this is every single month. A percentage of that, most likely it's usually around about 30% of that is collected and pays down your principal, which means it pays down the loan amount that you have. So if you borrowed $100,000 to buy your house, 30% of your mortgage payment usually goes to pay down that $100,000. The other 70%, sadly to say, goes to pay down interest. Well, it doesn't pay down interest. It goes to pay interest. Uh, and as you look at amortization schedules, you'll start to notice that a little bit more and you'll see that. And as you pay more and more and the years get longer and longer and, and you pay down every single year, uh, the numbers start to flip. So every single year you pay a little bit more to interest or a little bit more to principal and a little bit less to interest. But, um, and I'm more than happy to answer questions on that, but I'll try not to get into the weeds on that. But going back and looking at everything, four things to remember from this podcast is property. Is it a residential one to four units? Is it a commercial five plus units loan? Is it going to be a straightforward loan because it's a single family home and you need 20% down? Is it going to be a multifamily loan and you need 25% down? You need to know these things so you know how much money you need to have to bring to a deal. Expenses, your insurance, your property tax, are you having a property manager? Are you paying for utilities? Are you saving any money for repairs? And what does that look like? And then the last is return on investment. What kind of return on your money are you expecting to get? If you're expecting to get 10%, you need to stick to your guns and analyze deals. And if it's at nine or if it's at, um, you know, eight and a half, then don't try to finagle the numbers to make it work. Really try to stick to your guns and have a bottom percent. Uh, if you start to mess with the numbers to make the deal work, then you're going to get burned in the long run. So really stick to that number when you start to analyze deals and look at return on investment percent. And then the last thing to consider, of course, is how much are you paying down every single month? And then the tax benefits too. And talk to your tax consultant about that or you know your CPA about that because I'll have a better idea. But uh, there are a lot of tax benefits when it comes to investing and um, investment properties, rental properties. So hopefully you guys got a lot of great information out of this. I apologize if I really got into the weeds. I know I probably created more questions than I answered. And uh, as we go along in the podcast, I'm more than happy to create topics on these things. But um, I really wanted to give you guys a basic understanding of what to look for when you're talking about investment properties and what numbers to really be aware of. Uh, and then kind of some of the things that um, are going to come up in every single deal. So, you know, what kind of financing, what kind of property is it? These are things that every investor needs to know. Uh, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Legacy Investment Holdings, or you can find me on Facebook under the same name. Uh, and if you like this, please subscribe, comment, like, hit me up if you want to have a topic in there. Uh, I love to bring host or guest host on here. So I'm going to start reaching out to people and I've had people reach out to me. So 
uh, please know that I'll keep you on the list and uh, sooner or later I'll start to bring people on to talk about this. But look out for part two coming on Sunday where I literally am going to walk you through my very first deal and give you an idea of things that you should be looking at when you're looking at your very first deal. So uh, thanks again for catching the What the Flip podcast and I will see you guys on Sunday.